Every Woman is a feminist show that highlights the struggles, triumphs, and accomplishments of women and girls and the men who support them. Every Woman includes a rich intersection of female voices that represent a wide range of ethnicities, social and economic status, as well as political and spiritual beliefs, with the purpose to enact social, political, environmental, and economic change. The views and opinions expressed on Every Woman are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, KKFI staff, board, or management. Hello and welcome to Every Woman. I'm here in the studio with my wonderful wife, Una. Hello there, wonderful wife, Fiona. Oh, you kind of had to say that after I said you were wonderful. <sighs> you're also running the soundboard uh, when you're yes. not making noises like a wookie. I can make you say all sorts of things by just changing everything on the soundboard. There's so many buttons and dials, it's very confusing. You can make Caruso sound like Hutch. I'm not familiar with that. Caruso was... Uh, long time ago Enrico Caruso yes, yes but I'm not familiar with the expression because uh, I was I'm not like 130 from, years old like you are yes you're two years older than me so that would make you 132 oh my <laughs> so but, but moving on yes moving swiftly on before we get accused of ageism I, I also have another wonderful person in the studio with me today and they're our guests today, but next week they're going to be the host of the show. So we wanted to give everyone an introduction to them. And my wife was applauding, and I'm sure everyone out in Radio Land will be applauding soon too when they get to hear from them for the first time. But I have with me Sheila Johnson. And Sheila runs Gangster Goodies Kitchen and does a vlog cast, which is a video log. It's kind of like a podcast, but with pictures. For anyone that doesn't know what that is. Sorry, I don't want to patronise our listeners, but I also didn't want anyone confused out just there. Cl- just close your eyes and you can imagine. Unless you're driving, don't don't close your eyes. <laughs> yes. If you close your eyes, you can imagine it's a podcast. <laughs> so we're going to interview Sheila today, and then next week they're going to have their own guest, and they'll be with us once a month to bring you all sorts of interesting tidbits and possibly food-related items. So, Sheila, welcome to KKFI. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm, like, so excited, like a kid in a candy store, like, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both so much. I really, really appreciate it. Well, before I dive into the interview, I want to give a quick shout-out to our other producer, who is Rachel, and they're not here today because they are off playing pickleball in Topeka and probably melting to death in this heat. You just can't keep that girl away from pickleball. I suppose pickleball with pickle in the name almost relates to food. We could segue slightly back to the food that way. Yeah, (laughs) she she told us once about the origins of it. It was strange and confusing. At least it wasn't strange and scary. No, no. So, but Rachel tends to do a standard question to all of her guests, which is their dotted line story. How did they get here? So how did they get to Kansas City? How did they get to this point in their life? Were they born and bred in Kansas City? Or did they magically travel over from the East Coast or anything like that? So what's your dotted line story? Wow, my dotted line story. So, I am a native of Kansas City, born and raised. I have never lived anywhere else. I know at 
53 years old, I go, wow, I've never lived. I've traveled the world, but I've never lived anywhere else. Mainly because I refused to leave my mom. And she wasn't going to move. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm, yeah. If my mama can't be down the street for me, whatever it is in life can wait until I can get to it, you know. So uh, born and raised, I am a product of the Kansas City, Missouri Public School District. And I received my undergrad degree and my graduate degree from Rockhurst University. And um, I have two amazing daughters and I have three grandchildren that remind me of how much the Creator must really love me. And they are they are just amazing. The four-year-old before I came here, uh, well, he spent the night with me last night, so I was waiting for his mom to come pick him up. And so um, he says, well, Gigi, they call me Gigi, because I refuse to be called Grandma. I'm like, do I look like somebody's grandma to you? So, uh, yeah, no, don't be calling me Grandma. <laughs> Vanity. <laughs> I'll take it and own it. Um, but he said to me, um, he turned around and looked back at me because he knew this was my first, you know, uh, day I was going to, you know, uh, on the show. And he said, good luck today, Gigi. I love you. And I was like, you know what? You are Aww. definitely my grandson. Thank you. Give me a big old hug. And he just, you know, it was like so matter of fact to him, you know, and he has no idea really what that meant to me, you know. And so um, I often tell his parents that he's going to be the one to take gangster goodies to the next level. And he's going to be the one to take care of me when I'm 90 years old. (laughs) (laughs) When I travel or go anywhere, if he doesn't see me for a day or two, he's like, Gigi, where are you at? Why aren't you home? I haven't seen you. (laughs) So I have them. I have, um, you know, an amazing uh, support system. You know, my mother now is an ancestor. She's uh, no longer with me physically, but when I tell you, I conjure her up as often as I need to and feel, you know, uh, so that I can feel her presence. And I have two brothers, uh, some nieces, some nephews, cousins, and a host of friends, you know, that, um, you know, that love me, support me. And, you know, they're like, yeah, she may get a little sometimes, but we love her, so we'll keep her. <laughs> yeah. We've got friends like that where we're like, well, they might be crazy, but they're our crazy, so we're going to defend them and stand up for them. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was, with, I was with a lot of them last night. Yeah, you were, which is get, why you didn't get to sleep till 3.30 this morning. See, being the designated driver, I get to hear the, the real crazy, like when my car is loaded up with all these drunk girls and they're saying things like, you, you know, we, we, we should open a donut shop and, and we're not just going to talk about this time we're going to do it tomorrow morning we're going to we're going to open up a donut shop and i'm like "Uh uh-huh tomorrow morning they would be too hungover to be even thinking about food let alone opening a donut shop i know they say in vino veritas but in half a bottle of tequila what do you get instead (laughs) oh it's funny too when we get pulled over for like a sobriety checkpoint i'm stone cold sober and they're you know cat calling out to the officer and everything oh is he cute you know and everything is there a mrs ossifer and everything and i'm like will you shut up (laughs) 
<laughs> you said that talking to them like that is enough to not even make them bother to breathalyze you because they, no, they, they can, can look at you and see the irritation they on your face. At, and <laughs> the last time the officer looked at me, he started laughing. He said, that, that's a designated driver. Get these gals home safely. <laughs> I'm going to segue from that because you have the Gangster Goodies Kitchen and you mentioned it already and I know that there is a very interesting picture of uh, a pink drink on your webpage with a slice of lime on it. And mm. so a pink one with a slice of lime. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's a cosmopolitan. And so that is like my go-to. And so... Several years ago, uh, my cousins and I and a couple of our sister friends, we, and it actually happened by accident, so I'm frustrated with work, and I think something was going on in my love life at that time, too, so what do you do? You vent, you go over to, I went over to my cousin's house, and Mm -hmm. she had a Cosmo waiting for me, which was like, yes, (laughs) and so from that, we just, every Monday, we ended up right after work. We would come over to whoever's house was designated, and we'd have whatever uh, martini it was that week. You know, I was the Cosmo maker, so whenever we wanted Cosmos, that would be me. And somebody else would do chocolate and um, apple, and you know, all kinds. We just did all kinds, and so it ended up being kind of like our. I said, we learn how to be chefs. We learn how to be therapists to each other. We learn how to just support each other in different areas of our lives. And so uh, we don't do Martini Monday anymore. And it's uh, it's kind of sad because my uh, cousin Claudia and I were really the kind of like the the organizer of it all. And we lost her several years ago to her second battle uh, with uh, breast cancer and oh. so it just kind of you know we don't do it anymore but when I again when I want to conjure her up I get in that kitchen and get that shaker going and I'm like this one's for you baby <laughs> play her favorite music and then I feel all better <laughs> yes that's nice that you still can do that and still have that link with her yes absolutely her mom and my dad were brother and sister and so she and I were very very close yeah and she was the youngest of us all I mean she wasn't even 40 when she passed away that's hard it was very difficult very difficult her daughter graduated from high school this year so it's like wow yeah and she looks of course just like her (laughs) just like her and she was six years old when her mom passed away yeah yes so we do that um Gangster Goodies is a, because people often ask, first of all, what is it? You know, and because it's really not that, it may not be that clear. And I did put kitchen on there so people would at least know it has something to do with food. Okay. And so um, I remember when I came up with the name, one of my mentors said to me, uh, you're not a gangster. And I'm like, well, yeah, I am. And he's like, no, and and people are going to, you're not going to get buy-in because people are going to think you're making fun of the gangster culture and, mm. you know, and all of that. I said, oh, I said, you're looking at the standard definition of gangs, gangster. I didn't say gangster. I said gangsta. There's yeah. a difference. And so I said, dude, are you kidding me? I said, I raised, first of all, I was a teenage mom, uh, and we survived that. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, you know, she's a 
pretty amazing human being <laughs> after all of that. Um, but, you know, raised two girls by myself. I worked full time, went back to school, got my bachelor's degree, my master's degree, graduated with a 3.82 GPA, and dance coach at my oldest daughter's school and PTA president at the other daughter's school. I'm said, I said, dude, that is a gangster. Only a gangster can do all of that. And so uh, what we wanted to do was take that name and just add a positive spin to it. And um, our um, uh, target market are women between the ages of uh, 25 and 44 and so what we learned through doing a little bit of market research is that our target market also like to watch uh, like all of the housewife shows and black ink and all of those you know things where we get all that extra stimulation from and I thought well I could say cooking with Sheila but that sounds kind of boring you know <laughs> and it's like who is Sheila somebody's auntie you know but then when you say gangsta goodies kitchen they're like huh what's that and so then, you know, we get them to tap in. And, and the goal is that we, first of all, there's the inspiration to get back in the kitchen, you know. And I often mm-hmm. say that, you know, my mother used the kitchen as a platform just not to teach me how to cook, uh, but to teach me about life. We built relationships and all of that in the kitchen. And so to encourage young, uh, young families to get back in the kitchen. You know, and teach your kids how to work together. You know, somebody chop onions while the other person cleans the dishes, you know, um, and and the resources, because I invite people on uh, that are doing amazing work in the community, and it helps to push that information out in a different kind of way. So that's kind of why we do it. That's awesome. And we'll be talking more about that when we come back after this short station break. And welcome back to Every Woman after that short station break. I'm here with Sheila Johnson of the Gangster Goodies Kitchen. And I know I mentioned earlier that there is a neat pink picture of an alcoholic drink on your page, but I don't think we've given anyone the URL in case they're interested. So could you tell us? Absolutely. It is just Gangsta, and that's G-A-N-G-S-T-A, goodieskitchen.com. Great. Thanks. Thank you for asking. And we were talking before the break about getting people resources out to the community and also getting people back into the kitchen. And why do you feel that that's important? Well, it's important for, gosh, many reasons. I mean, when you think about, and I think specifically about culturally, what has the kitchen always meant to us, you know? And, I mean, our grandmothers and Big Mama and aunties and them, they solve the family's issues in the kitchen, you know, and around the kitchen table. And it's like there's value in that. You know, families ate dinner together, you know, and like when I was growing up, my brothers and I, we sat at the kitchen table and ate together. And so what did that do for us? What that did for us was we developed a relationship, you know, and so what other time during the day, in the course of a day, do families have to come and unite if they don't unite over dinner, you know? And it also teaches, and I say, my brothers and I learn how to work on the team together in the kitchen, you know? I learned how to play jacks on the kitchen floor while my mother cooked. You know, I learned who she was as a woman, not just as a mother, 
in the kitchen. And so if we're developing those relationships, when things come up, because things are going to come up, you know, it's just, it's life and stuff is going to happen. And so, but if those relationships and those bonds are built, then you can work through it. It won't destroy you. You know, instead, you know each other, you understand each other, and then you just work together to get whatever that barrier or that challenge is, squash it and move on. You know, but when we don't have those bonds and we don't have those relationships and something happens, we don't know what to do, you know, and it oftentimes can cause a wedge, you know, and feelings are hurt and and all of that but if you when you know each other and you've developed those relationships you're more likely to be able to solve that as a family unit and move forward learn your lessons and move forward so i think that's one of the reasons why it's so important and the kitchen has been the center of the home since antiquity. It's been the center from back in Roman times. It, as I've traveled around the world and uh, worked and stayed throughout Europe, India, Thailand, China, everywhere, the kitchen is the meeting place. It's the nexus. It's where the family comes together and um, where everyone is present and can talk and really communicate at the same time that they're giving nourishment to each other, giving physical as well as the spiritual nourishment. Yes, 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 that's it. I love it. Yes. And, and it's where you always find the cool par- people at parties. Yes, they're the always people, in the kitchen. Yes, the boring people <laughs> stay in the front room or the lounge or whatever you want to call it. And the cool people have got drifted into the kitchen and are hanging out in there. Yes. I love it. Yes, yes. Growing up as a little girl, my grandmothers were always in the kitchen, not necessarily because they were cooking all day, but that was their spot where they held court. My paternal grandmother had a table with her radio and her percolator of coffee going all day long, and that was what she did. She sat and sipped her coffee and listened to the radio and... uh, it was incredible. My mother's mother lived with us, and she was an inveterate tea drinker like I am, and which I'm sure is where I got it from. And I can remember sitting at the kitchen table and shelling peas with her. Uh, and you don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. You mm-hmm. just buy them frozen from the store. But mm-hmm. if someone sat me down with I a bunch of peas, I would know how to do that and also how to steal about half of the ones I was shelling instead of putting them into the pot. <laughs> Yes, there's just so much value there. And it's it's right there. It's a part of our everyday life. And we just are not maximizing that, you know, the way we can, the way we have in the past, you know, it just, and so it's like, why not? And, you know, I remember one of my nephews said to me, um, many, probably about four or five years ago, he's like, and Sheila, I don't know if I'll ever get married. And I'm like, well, why? That's such a sad thing to say. And he's like, the girls don't know how to cook, and they don't want to know how to cook. And he said, they want a baller, but they don't know what to do to keep him when they get him. They got to feed him, right? And I'm like, you know what, honey? You show right. <laughs> Part of me is like, there is nothing wrong with a woman 
being strong and having been the breadwinner and having a house husband who knows how to cook. Absolutely. As long as the two of you are happy and you divide up the labor and everyone feels that it's fair, you're still going to have a strong relationship. Absolutely, yes. And and I said to him, you'll find you'll find the right one. She's out there. She is out there. So just just keep looking. You'll find her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when you were saying about you and your brothers learnt to work as a team in the kitchen under your mother's tutelage, yes. I think that's really important because a lot of families don't tend to teach the boys to cook. And even if they're not going to find themselves a woman who can cook well and marry her and expect her to do all the work, if they're at university or something or rather a bachelor, it is very expensive to eat out all the time. You have to learn to cook out of self-defense and it's so much better if you can learn to cook your family's recipes that are made exactly the way you like instead of getting out the microwave meals or some recipe off the internet and going, this tastes nothing like my mother's and I followed the recipe exactly. Yes, that's so funny. Yes, I totally agree. My mother was like, whatever she taught me she taught them you're going to learn how to sew a button on you're going to learn how to hem your own pants you're going to learn how to wash your and and iron your own clothes because there are no maids around here and you're going to have a week to clean the bathroom just like sheila does you're going to be cleaning that kitchen mopping that floor and so yeah she didn't yeah she's like you need to know how to do it because ain't nobody going to be taking care of you like that yes (laughs) yeah i think way more families should do that so many families tend to treat the boys as if they need kick gloves and as if they're breakable and yeah Yeah, and they usually end up either breaking or breaking other people when they're raised like that absolutely yes my i have an eight-year-old grandson who they just moved back from germany because my son-in-law uh is in the military and so he and so they've been here with me since they because i hadn't seen him in a while and so i'm like i've got something for you to do and so he's like well what do you want me to do i said i want you to get in here and wash these dishes and he said i gotta wash dishes and i said you want to eat don't you and he says well my mom and dad have never made me wash dishes i said shame on them for not (laughs) me for not ever making you wash dishes but guess what at Gigi's house you're gonna wash dishes you're gonna sweep the floor you're gonna take the trash out you're gonna do all of that you're gonna make your own bed up all of that ain't no maids here partner (laughs) so he's like hmm so of course you know um i try to stay in my lane with my adult children but uh (laughs) i had to pull his mom aside and say why doesn't he know how to wash dishes he's eight he should know how to wash dishes he should know how to sweep him off the floor. He should even know how to put a load of his own clothes in the laundry. Come on now. And I think with her being a stay-at-home mom, she just... And I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. Being a stay-at-home mom doesn't mean you're the maid to the family. That's not what that means. You know, so teach him. He needs to know. So, um you know, hopefully, but is on there at Gigi's house. Oh yeah, he's gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, which means he'll have those skills and can look after himself instead of living in a pigsty and maybe, ca- maybe catching some horrible disease because he never cleans anything. Yes, yes, yes. Your grandchild is not going to die of food poisoning if they go to university and have to cook for themselves. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, yes. And so we have fun with it. You know, my daughters uh, are involved and. Um, I am encouraging my uh, soon-to-be 15-year-old granddaughter 
uh, to be involved. And, you know, so she keeps telling me, Gigi, you need a TikTok. I said, well, I don't know anything about TikTok. And you obviously do. So why don't I pay you to take care of our TikTok account? Well, I don't, you know, I, I like TikTok, but I don't want to talk about food. And I said, well, it don't have, you'd say it in your words, how, whatever you think. You can own it, you know, and so, and we'll apologize later if it's not right. But <laughs> you own it, you develop it, and then you're contributing to the family business. How about that? I said, because this is about you anyway, more, way more than it is me, you know, so this is a legacy that you'll be able, to, I'll be able to pass on to you and your brother and your cousin. And so, own a piece of it and so we're she and I after her birthday we're gonna sit down and talk the term she wants to know I think she really just wants to know how much money is she gonna make <laughs> see that's a very different approach from a lot of people would have taken you would have said I'm paying you it's a job so you'll do the stuff for the job bit and in your own personal TikTok you can talk about whatever but you totally changed that conversation yes it's like that's what you, hey let's whatever you guys are talking about you know whatever you're interested in because we want we you know there's no way for me to know it all her mom to know it all and so and you know she has and we've raised her to believe you know to know this is that you have a voice use it and so we may not agree with it and and that's perfectly okay you just remain respectful and it's okay to disagree with us. And we don't mind that you tell us, uh, yeah, not so much. We're okay with that, you know. Um, I remember when my girls were growing up and my mother had made a comment to me uh, when my oldest daughter wanted to get her tongue pierced. And so my mother said, I hope you told her, uh, no, under no circle, no. And I said, nope, that's not what I told her. <laughs> I told her to do the research and then sell me. Come convince me that I should sign for my 16-year-old daughter to get her tongue pierced. And then we'll go get we'll go do it. And so she's and so my mom was like, Oh my God. I said, Mom, I want you to understand that. And it may be difficult, you know, for you to grasp that concept. I said, I'm raising girls. And they need to be vocal. And they need to understand that they're what they think matters and the, and I value that. And if mm -hmm. I don't do that at home, what's going to happen when they're out there in the world and so i said yeah i'm not i'm not raising them quite like you raised me I, they do have some of those same values <laughs> that you instilled upon me but i am letting them freely express whatever it is you know i said besides i'm her mother and i know her pretty well and i know when she slows down to do the research because she's kind of like a germaphobe kind of person She's going she's gonna to make the decision herself that that's not for her. And that's exactly what she did. She came back about two weeks. It took her two weeks. And I said, hey, honey, how's that research coming? And she's like, yeah, I don't think I want to get my tongue pierced. And I'm like, why? She says, well, you know, if it gets infected, that was her first thing. And I said, mm -hmm. my child, just exactly what I thought she would say. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, no. I said, so... I took her through the decision-making process. I empowered her to make that decision herself. She said, well, what if she would have decided she wanted it anyway? I said, well, then we would have did it. She would have convinced me, and we would have did it. And I would have made sure that she was okay. You know, and end of story, no big deal. She got her tongue pierced, Mom. It's no, it's, she's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. 
otherwise, the second she was 18, she would have just dashed out with no thought and got exactly. it done. Or possibly it, done it either yeah, way. Yes. Possibly at some bad place that she would have got an infection. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it was always interesting watching that, that whole generational dynamic, you know. It was such a, a blessing and a joy to have that dynamic, but it was also that, you know, like, mm, and I would say to my daughter, look at here, don't you say nothing to disrespect my mama because then it's going to be between me and you. You just say, okay, grandma, and then you just come and let me know and I'll take care of it, okay? So, <laughs> And I find she and I do the same thing with my granddaughter. So it's like... It's a, but it's such a, um, such a joy, you know, and that is um, why the topic for next week is, you know, just tips on developing those relationships with your adult children because it does change. That is good. That relationship changes, and so it is a, it's a joy, you know, uh, but we have to know when to back off, you know, when it, it's not none of your business, mom, you know, and I'm like, oops. I'm yeah. sorry. Like when you raise a protest when I'm trying to get something pierced and you <laughs> like... It's your body, but I want to be sure you really, really want to do it. <laughs> well, now you're just scaring me. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'll get them pierced. It'll, it's just going to take a little while to get it. I'll have to do my research. Yes, you should definitely do research. But uh, yeah, if I have anything really important that my mother really needs to know... I still get my wife to tell her because she's only known my wife as an adult, so she is way more likely to actually listen to her. Yes, yes, yes. I have found that with my kids and even with my friend that we've been uh, we've been friends since we were twelve, and so she's ain't windy to them, and um, they'll listen to her if you know, but. But they respect also that, you know, oh, and Wendy knows what she's talking about. She's a therapist and she, you know, and that's just mom. So we're going to listen to what Aunt Wendy says. And I'm like, hey, I, it doesn't matter <laughs> where the information comes from as long as you get the lesson, you know. And so uh, you find the value in it. But, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting with those relationships with our adult kids. So I think and it's at the center of where I'm at, you know, so... It's more important than ever nowadays because kids have so many different messaging coming to them through social media. It's not just their peer group at school or other kids in the neighborhood. It literally is anyone on the planet that could be giving them some sort of crazy idea about, you know, piercing, well, something really awful. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I won't mention. Yes, not on the air. Yeah. Um. Or, 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 you know, health supplements or, the, you know, things or that they should be taking. Yeah, or sex. And yeah, if you you're know. just telling them just say no, they're going to see all sorts of information, much of it which is going to be urban myths. And they're not going to know which is true from false or uh, anything like that. And empowering them like you have to know that it's safe to come to you and talk it through with you will help them be protected from all the misinformation yes that is even with my 15 year old we went to the um, store yesterday and she was saying something about the sun and the summertime and the back of her neck and I said well why don't you put sunscreen on and she said oh 
I didn't know I should put sunscreen on because one time I did. We were at school and we were at the zoo and I put some on and one of my friends said, well, that's like baking your skin. You're putting oil on. And I said, why didn't you come and clarify that with us? We could have given you the correct information. I said, that's not what that is. I said, you're not putting on like a tanning oil. You're putting on protection. So let's go get you some. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get you some for your skin. And But it's there's so much stuff out there. And here she took that fourth grade advice as truth. And we never even knew that that was her truth, you know, based on, you know, something a, another fourth grader said. I'm and, like, what? <laughs> and urban legends, uh, a lot of people believe that black people don't actually need to wear sun lotion and protect themselves. Yes. But with the skin color, if they get skin cancer, it's so much harder to detect. Absolutely it is. I live with a very rare type of lymphoma. It's called, I have a port right here. Uh, and I get a, a certain type of treatment every eight weeks, and it's called cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. And so there are partic- two particular T-cells that are related to my skin that are mutating and, you know, acting up. And so I didn't really understand the importance of protection until that diagnosis. And so, of course, my dermatologist and my oncologist are like, yeah, no, you have to be fully protected. And ex- Especially because you have T cells that are already impacted. And so I don't, if I'm going to be out in the sun, I have a 70 proof that I use on my face and a 100 proof that I use on my skin. And so it, because too much exposure will cause a uh, CTCL flare up. And then that could take me weeks to get that back under control, you know? Mm. And so it's, yeah, that, it's, that's, we our skin burns you know yes the melanin is there as a a little bit of our protection uh but that does not negate the fact that when we're out there we need protection too absolutely we do i knew someone who told me that they felt like as a person of color they didn't need to wear sunscreen because they saw a tv show that had um black vampires on it that could walk in the sun because their melanin protected them. So based on that, they made a major health decision. (laughs) I I know. One of my friends from England came to America and they went climbing in the Rocky Mountains and they had never sunburnt before because of the melanin in their skin and England and further north. And they were personally offended that they got sunburned because of the altitude and further south and it's because they weren't vampires obviously if they'd been a vampire they would obviously have been safe from sunburning you in the always Rockies. get your best health information from vampires <laughs> or yeah. werewolves or... i'm fairly sure that most vampires would say humans need to be bled regularly because it's good for their system so maybe you shouldn't listen to them for health hence information. you should get more piercings <laughs> It all comes together, people. Yes, it does. <laughs> so we cook, you know, against your goodies. We um, um, what sort? Of, what what sort of things do you cook? I mean, give us some examples. So it, it could be anything. Now, 
for me personally, I lean a lot more towards ethnic foods like mm-hmm. uh, African food, Caribbean food, mm. Indian food. Mm. You know, foods like mm-hmm. that is more my favorite. Me too. And so, yes. And so I. Uh, so if I'm actually doing the cooking demonstration. I'm probably going to lean a little more towards that. Um, But actually, the guests sometimes do the cooking. Because the show really isn't to say, hey, Sheila's a great cook. Look at this recipe. It's really to say, hey, we've got so-and-so in the studio, and they have a nonprofit organization teaching little black boys about building uh, their own animations. And we're going to have this conversation over their favorite meal, uh, which is tacos. And so it's more about, so it's not really even about the food. It's just about what, it's about that information. It's about what the kitchen and food symbolizes to for us as a people. Maybe some of our listeners will want to donate like a whole Viking range set from Williams-Sonoma, <laughs> walk-in freezer, and we can do oh some cooking God. right here in the studio. And yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> We'd need very good air filters in the studio to be donated as well so that it didn't set off any fire alarms or anything. It's worth, it's worth yes. it. Yes. We need a whole planned donation bundle, I think, for yes. that. Yeah, directed donate. What's it called? Directed donations? Or? Yes, directed donations. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. obviously. Just mm-hmm. a $50,000 Williams-Sonoma studio. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on. Don't worry. People can get back in the kitchen without spending that amount of money. I assure you. You don't have to get top-of-the-line things from Williams-Sonoma. And one of the things I see online when people are sharing things uh, is an awful lot of ableism. There's a lot of the time people share a picture of something from a supermarket which is pre-cut vegetables and say, how lazy have you got to be to buy your pre-cut vegetables and they are so much more expensive? And then eventually, after umpteen people piling on and agreeing with them, someone from the ability community will get on and they'll say the only way i can cook at home instead of having to buy pre-bought pre-cooked stuff with 10 billion tons of salt and sugar and stuff in it that's bad for you is if i get this and you know even if you're not a person with a disability there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting pre-cut vegetables because it reduces the time and if you're busy and maybe working two jobs three jobs or whatever or running around after your kids raising kids yes you may not have time to stand and cut all those vegetables up and stuff. And if you want to cook for your family, you can use those shortcuts. You are not evil for doing this. No, never. It is a, I just, I look at it kind of like technology. You know how technology has advanced so that we can do other things with our time so that our time is used efficiently. Same thing in the kitchen. You know what? If you can afford those pre-cut vegetables, get them. Because when I can afford them, let me tell you who buys them. is me over here. Instead of shredding those carrots myself, I buy a bag of shredded credit carrots. And you know what? It's okay. It really is okay. <laughs> and I love that you can get now in the frozen food section, you can get onions already chopped up, bell peppers already chopped up, rice, all of that stuff. You can get all that stuff already chopped up and ready to go. Makes it easy. And then you spend more time again on the, the relationship part versus the actual manual part of cooking. Yeah, and I know as a kid, I 
having to peel potatoes. I probably peeled myself as often as potatoes when I was younger. I did not have that coordination. Whereas if they were pre-done, we could have been doing more on the techniques and learning the recipes and the fun stuff. This is why I chop most of the vegetables and peel the potatoes and <laughs> so you're lucky you have a you have a wife you have a partner that's gonna get in and do the part that you 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 know that you don't want to do or don't have time to do and yeah that's awesome we, we, we split better. because it's we both have health problems that make it difficult sometimes it's difficult to stand for long yes. periods of time. So one day with one of us, like yesterday, I was feeling better. So I made a couscous and roasted red pepper dinner because Ooh. I could stand that day. Today, I don't think I can. So it's going to be like Chef Boy already out of the can or Not something. Not necessarily. I still have potatoes, carrots, and peas in the fridge. I could make Fiona's potato, carrot, and pea curry again. Mm. And there are tricks because... You can get a giant bowl and put the potatoes in the bowl and then you can sit on the floor with the bowl between your legs and peel it into the bowl so the peelings don't go everywhere all over the carpet and then you stand up and then rinse them all and then you can chop them at the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to do stuff sitting down that works with your disabilities or if you want to sit in front of the TV because you really want to watch the show that's on at the moment, then yeah. It, yes. is, it is a difficult dilemma because it's, it's been shown in many studies. It's difficult to eat healthy. It's cheaper to buy junk food a lot of times. And so maybe by bringing some additional intangible benefit of companionship, family, spirituality, and fun back into the work part of cooking, it could encourage people to you know, eat healthier in yes. the end. Absolutely. I totally Just thinking agree. about that. Yes, absolutely. And when you think about it, too, I was sharing with a friend, because um, she, you know, said the same thing is, it is, you know, the cost. And I said, well, kind of look at it like this. So if I go and, and buy a pound of grass-fed beef, and so let's say it's 12 bucks, but really, that's four meals for me. If I'm eating more, if if I'm not getting four meals out of that pound of beef, Sheila, you're eating way too much beef. And so then when you peel it back like that, you know, it's like, well, gosh, that's four meals. That's only three bucks a meal, you know, for the protein and then the vegetables, you know. And so she said, you know, I guess I didn't look at it like that. I said, yeah, when you get home, you go ahead and portion that out. And so then you're not over, you're not overeating, you know, you're not eating too much, you know, that's part of, you know. Of course, I have seen a grown man eat a hamburger that was one pound of meat after cooking. It was Kevin. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so wow. I believe it was pound. Kevin. And when he was done, he started looking at the rest of our plates saying, you, you going to finish that? <laughs> Thinking of finishing things, we need to finish this topic and go to a station break. Okay, we'll be right back here. Um, welcome back to Every Woman. I'm here in the studio with my wonderful wife at the soundboard and our wonderful guest, who's going to be a new host next week, Sheila Johnson, with Gangster Goodies Kitchen. And we've been talking about all sorts of things, about uh, social justice food yes. and community organization and resources and building relationships and 
You said it's important to get those resources and information out into the community. So what sorts of resources have you been sharing? So uh, let's see. So for example, a couple of weeks ago, I had a young man on the show, um, Kyle uh, Hollins. He has an organization called Lyrics Institute. And so it's all about, his, his organization is all about taking children um, between the ages of nine, they're nine and up, I think they have to at least be nine, and that using their, tapping into their, their, their gifts, their, their creativity, and you know, the things that they can imagine and want to do, and, and helping to develop those in order to change uh, their cognitive thinking, you know, and so he shared with uh, with the viewers how he had, you know, he had been in prison, and so what made the difference for him? What made the difference for him when he when he got out and was able to stay out? And he said, mm-hmm. Sheila, I had to change the way I thought. He said, I couldn't continue to think the way I used to think and believe that things are going to, that my life was going to be any different. And so he, you know, so when he got out he started well while he was still in he was in a program um that he ended up while he was in still incarcerated he started teaching him it himself he got certified in it and started teaching it himself and so then once he got out he's like yeah let's let's do this let's take kids who have not yet reached you know if we get them now you know they're nine years old i think they're they started eight or nine. I can't, I'll have to verify that. But, you know, and bring them in and, you know, people from the community come in and they give their time and they help, you know, with this. You know, he does, you know, the teaching of the behavior think modifications, the thinking. Um, and the child has, the amazing thing is that the child hasn't even really realized that all of that changing has gone, has taken place until something happens and they go, oh, if little Johnny would have kicked me before, I would have pulled his hair. And so, but this time I just said, little Johnny, are you going to say excuse me? (laughs) And so, you know, uh, and so it's so information like that. So there are viewers who have kids who are in that age bracket. You know what? Let's get them connected. You know, let's, because they have mentorships and all kinds of stuff. There was a young man who um, has an organization called um, Aqua, Nile Valley Aquaponics, but he also has a males to men mentor program, and so and it teaches young men things that would be valuable, you know, to them on just life, growing your own food, being one of them. How do you grow your own food? You know, how do you make sure that the soil is right? How do you, you know, know when to plant? You know, when to harvest? You know, and even like plumbing you know he'll have mentors come in to you know come in with a a, like an electric board and show them you know how something's going on you know just basic troubleshooting change a tire oil change you know uh, Mm -hmm. just basic things like that you know that it's great for people to know you know know how to do uh, organizations who you know just are doing all kinds of you know work um there was a young lady the other, was that last week, week before? It's been a while. I can't remember now. But she uh, has an, an, uh, a 
a clothing store, a res- the only plus size resale clothing store in Kansas City. It's called Unleashed. But she also does something called Kansas City Plus Size Weekend. And it's all about body positivity. And so mm. it so they had a fashion show, they had a pool party, and then there was also like a field day. And it just really encouraging women to you know, whatever your body type is, you know, love yourself and treat your body well, uh, but don't try not to get caught up in the, you know, the stereotypes and the, you know, if you're bigger than a size eight, then you're too big or, you know, it was a real, it was a really great weekend. And so she shares that information. And then throughout the year, they do workshops and stuff like that, you know, on body positivity. That sounds awesome because I have friends that are overweight and they would never go to the pool because they know how people look at them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them buy certain types of clothes, even though those clothes don't make them happy because they know if they wear something skimpier, people are going to be looking at them and internally mocking. And our society, even when people believe that people are actually politically correct and nice, fat people where the only people that it was politically correct still diss because everyone said it was bad for their health, so it's okay to mock them. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, you know, I'm overweight myself, and you know what? But I'm going to put on that bikini, and I'm going to the beach. And so you can look at all this or just turn your head the other way. <laughs> I'm okay with it. But you know what? I had to get that. I had to get to that point. You know, it wasn't an automatic, you know, especially because, you know, I gained weight, like, after menopause going through perimenopause and that sort of thing and so I'm like all of a sudden I'm like whoa where all this extra weight come from so it took me a minute to kind of wrap my mind around it but once I did I'm like you know what I yeah I'm gonna put on that bikini and keep it rolling because I do make a bikini in my size (laughs) our society is really messed up about that I mean technically I'm anorexic but people don't know I have an eating disorder because I have the quote right unquote eating disorder and but in reality i suffer quite a bit from it yes and also when people are lashing back against the fat shaming they so often say that they wouldn't want to have a body like a stick and Mm. then they're dissing the bodies of people at the opposite end of the spectrum who may have eating disorders or may just have that body type genetically and then everyone's picking on everyone and then you're still seeing the messed up messaging from fashion and magazines which is getting better thankfully yes well we only have a few seconds left so i really want to thank you for being here today and i want to tell everyone to listen out for you next week at three o'clock on every woman and remind people of your website it is againstagoodieskitchen.com Thank you so much for being with us today, Sheila. Thank you for having me. I really, really enjoyed myself. We're looking forward to helping with the conversation next week as well. Yes, Yes. I'm excited. Us too. So thank you for listening to Every Woman, and do stay tuned for Urban Connections. And after that, we'll have Diva Sean Gilmore from Boston Unbothered. And tune in next week for Sheila and Every Woman. And thank you all very much for listening to us today. Have a wonderful day and a safe weekend. Thank you.